Hey peeps, this is Fernie, your resident psychic medium and spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. I recently had a chance to catch up with award-winning podcaster Michelle Roy, and we were discussing how to establish boundaries and uh, with family, and also how to still be authentic or stay authentic in that process. So stick around because I can't wait to share some of those insights with you. Do you remember like the first time you ever felt like you didn't fit in and like you had to start changing? Oh my gosh. Probably like as early as preschool. Mm. No, it's like. That's pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, Fernando, like, and I tell everybody this and I hope that she doesn't listen to my show because I love her, but mm-hmm. like my sister is the person that taught me relationships. Mm. And that was the person that also made me feel like I was the weirdest, most out of place, most unloved, you know what I mean? Just everything kind of just came from that Mm -hmm. area. So really when I was very young, I felt like I didn't fit. Yeah. I, for me, I, I mean, I, I remember having a few experiences or very specific experiences where I was forced to feel like who I was or what I was bringing to the table wasn't acceptable. And mm-hmm. I was going to have to change if I was going to survive because you either change or you die. And mm-hmm. death could be a lot of different things. That's why we got all these kids killing themselves and they're like in the fifth grade or in the third grade. I'm like, Oh my God, I would, I didn't even have the thought process to think about what suicide. I didn't even know what suicide was. Yeah. When I was that young, I mean, these kids are coming up and they're so intelligent and they're so smart and they like, they're like lifetimes ahead of us when our comprehension yeah. level from when we were kids, you know? So for me, I remember when I, in pre-K, this was in pre-K and this was the beginning of it. But I remember my mom took me to school. And th- we had these like two buildings, you know, there, sometimes there's the main building and they have those little shacks on the side of the building that there were like additional like units for the school. And so that's where the pre-K classes were at. And I went to the pre-K class and I walked in and it was a pretty empty room, except there was like a like a um, a kitchen set toy area where it was just the whole set, the whole thing, everything you would dream about with the kitchen sets, it was all there. And then there was a bunch of little boys. And so all the little girls were just hanging around. They kind of didn't have any sense of knowing what the hell they were doing. They were just in that room. The boys were running around like maniacs. They were just chasing each other like, ah, you know, annoying boys. Like they, boys tend to be annoying like that. And uh, I remember walking in there. My mom left me there and my mom was pretty protective of me, but she left me there. And I immediately went into control mode where, okay, girls, we're going to make the boys some lunch. So we need to get the food ready. And so I immediately dragged the girls into the kitchen and I gave them all responsibilities. And I said, you're responsible for the eggs. You're responsible for the tea. You're responsible for this. And, you know, and it's all fake plastic food, the little plastic eggs and stuff. So we're just like, that's what we're doing. And I'm telling them what to do now. That was a very confident Fernie who just kind of went in there and I like, said, listen, motherfuckers, like we're going to bring this all together because y'all don't make no damn sense with what y'all are trying to do. We know that those boys are crazy. We don't need to express that here. So let's work on this. So for me to be that confident and to be that just direct direction, I mean, th- that was insane. So I remember that. And then I think a few short years later, that's when my mother met my stepfather and they got into a relationship and then he just kind of popped up one day. I mean, I was at the park with her playing with my little plastic Mickey Mouses that I got from the the cornflakes cereal because we couldn't afford to buy toys. So I had to play with the toys from the cornflakes cereal and I had my little Mickey Mouse toy um, and he, he, the bus came up, it was the Metro, the bus showed up and he came out with the suitcase. I don't know who he was. I was just in there. Didn't know what was going on. My mom was with me. What? He showed up with the suitcase. He showed up with the suitcase. I had never met this person. He literally just showed up, got off a bus with a suitcase and he walked over and my mom introduced me and said, this is your father. You know, this is your new father. And I was like, like I was, I, I didn't understand that because I knew I had had a father but 
you know, my father was, my mom was my father's mistress, so they had no relationship. And so I used to cry and cry to cry to her. Like, why don't I have a father? Doesn't he know that I exist? He will love me. He will love me. I want to meet him. He'll love me, you know? So I knew that I had a father and I had seen a picture of him. This wasn't my father. This was some other guy, but she said, this is your new father. And so I was like, okay. So I was forced to accept that that was the reality. No preparation, no opportunity to get comfortable with this person. He was just there. And I was already uncomfortable around males to begin with because, you know, I wasn't raised by men. I was raised around a lot of women. So for me to have to deal with the male energy, it's very different from a female's energy. You know, it was just rough. And then shortly thereafter, the abuse started. And the abuse, I think, uh, the abuse towards my mother was one thing. The abuse towards me started, I think, before the abuse towards my mother, because he, being my new father, felt that he had the right to, um, what's the word, to um, not punish, but he had the right to discipline me. But discipline mm-hmm. quickly became punishing which quickly became abuse because I wasn't his child. I wasn't a son. And there are those guys where they're like, you know, the real machismo and you're not my kid. So I don't want it to do with you, you know? And I think that's where he came from that. So it, it suddenly, and whenever I acted in a way that was inappropriate or that was ferny like or whatever, it's when I would get it. So I had to change. I had to become this other person. Um, and I think that's when the, the forced conditioning of my, human persona began when the abuse started because it either was survive and try to get, try to reduce the pain and the suffering or continue this with the idea, with the knowledge that it's going to hurt even more. So I think that's where it started for me. Oh, I would just want to hug your shadow. (laughs) (laughs) My shadow's a bitch girl. I don't think you want to hug my shadow. (laughs) My too. Mm -hmm. I'm learning. I'm like, Oh, there's yeah. There she goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, there were times when I would want to sing and dance and mm-hmm. perform and grab a lipstick and say, hey, welcome to such and such. And people would be going, why are you doing that? Right. Or why are you saying that? Yeah. Or if I would, like, if I would speak something intuitively or something that I could feel, they'd be like, you're weird. Mm-hmm. You know, instantly, instead of saying, wow, that was really, how did, how did you know that? Yeah. It's your fear, you know, and really because they're uncomfortable. But yeah. Like as a kid. So it's like instantly you decide, well, I'm just not going to talk about the stuff that I like because it hurts my feelings right. because you reject me. You know, mm-hmm. well, it's just, it, and I, I mean, I think like our, like our social norms back then as well, they didn't make it easier because even if you had a open-minded parent or you had a family that was like more accepting of you, then society is saying, you know, oh, those black people, they're too loud. They're too much, you know, and it goes into that whole, oh, she's being uncontrollable or, oh, they're acting this way or acting that way. I was at yeah. the airport this past weekend, like when I flew in from Vail um, and I was at the airport and my friend was inside. She was trying to figure out the car situation and I was outside and there was a, um, a woman with her mother and then she had her daughter with her as well. And her daughter was probably like Michaela's age. I mean, she was what, like. Michaela's like what eight nine okay six okay so she's around Michaela's age she was pretty young and she was looking at herself in the mirror in the in the reflection of the the building and she's like "Mm." and the little girl's just like like she's looking at her like she's really loving herself and Mm -hmm. it really just is touching my heart to see her be this way and then she's just like "Mm," and she's moving around and I'm like okay what's going on here what is she gonna do and then her mom steps in and her mom comes up to her and then she starts to try to outmaneuver her. And then they both oh. start doing this coordinated thing. And for, I, I'm my heart sang and they were loud and it was like vibrant, just this wave of energy just coming from these two people, just being silly and having fun and being happy. And mm-hmm. there were, and th- these were some black people and there were, I, I, there were some white people there as well. And I could already pick up that, these white people were like, they're being too much or they're being too, I could already feel it. And I was just like, y'all have no idea. Like y'all have no idea what their life is, how much mm-hmm. this might have been this, this little girl's only time to really express herself. Maybe she's around people that she can be herself. Maybe at school, they don't accept her. Maybe her mother grew up in a way where she wasn't allowed to be herself. And she's finally given this to her daughter. Like, and, and immediately I got defensive because I was just like, 
we don't need we don't need that. If anything, the energy that they're expressing is louder and more uncomfortable for me than the energy of happiness and joy that these people are expressing just by being a mother and daughter having a good time. So it was an interesting situation, but I was like, okay. But it's like you recognize those things. And I think people of color, people who like have been in unique situations where they're not the norm are forced to realize that way sooner rather than later. And then there's a whole, the whole sense of like having to conform, having to like turn yourself or transform yourself into something that will fit in so that you're accepted and that you're embraced. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that really does resonate with me because, you know, I grew up in a white school. Mm-hmm. I want to say, I'm not going to say predominantly white mm-hmm. because there was like teen of us in the high school. Mm-hmm. So like, I no, it's white. School. Years, <laughs> That's white. Yeah. Super white yeah. I went years just being the only black child in my class. Mm -hmm. And then like, sometimes it would be the two of us, but then the two of us would be in the same class. Mm -hmm. And then there would be like one person elsewhere, but that was it. Like Mm -hmm. three in a a class of like 400, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, And so I just grew up acting like the people I was with Mm -hmm. really, you know, but then again, it was like, sort of also just myself, I could always be as fun or silly as I wanted to be with those white women. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody like your personality is bomb, mm-hmm. but I go home and it's, why are you always looking at yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or why are you always singing? Or why are you always mm-hmm. dancing? it's not that funny. We're not having fun. Shut up or whatever, mm-hmm. whoever, because everybody in the house was full of that same shit. Right. You know, right. like, you don't, I mean, it was coming from all angles, really. It's like your parents kind of tell you, don't do that. You know, you, you should do like this. And even my mom, poor thing, still now, like when I told her that I was reading the playing cards, well, make sure that you're just giving the glory to God. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right? Well, you know what I'm right. supposed to. Mm, mm. So it is all hearing that from her. So it's like, you know, it's tough to break out of that. And I try to allow my kids to be as free as they need to be because I understand that that's the only way to get in touch with yourself is by being yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And this society stops you instantly from connecting with your higher self. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like from right out of the gate, it's like, okay, shh, 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 shh. Mm-hmm. and don't do that. And the only way to get to God is through Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And the only way to talk to Jesus mm-hmm. is like this. And if you do that, then you're, I mean, and then just cutting us off from this whole entire, like where we really are supposed to be going, which I guess that's a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. I know to go through all these different experiences and like, you know, grow to be that person. But it's like, if kids could at least be taught just about even how to go about it, like not to give them everything, but to say, you know, if you're interested in learning more, here's some books or, you know, that kind of, but that's not been heard of. I think you know, I think that's one of the biggest things. We were talking about that, me and Mike, uh, Ian Melly, when I did the podcast with them. Like we were talking about how I wish this was taught in schools. I wish I was taught. I think there are like four or five basic areas that people should be taught in school. One is basic first aid slash basic nursing skills, because that right there would just help a lot of people not die. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's just a basic thing. You know, it's like, well, they just bled out. Well, why didn't you put pressure on it? I don't want to touch the blood. Like, are you serious? You literally just let this person die in the middle of the road, you know? Well, I didn't think that was my responsibility. I called 911. I'm like, baby, you are God's 911. You are right here in the moment witnessing this happening. Like, you're the first first <laughs> level, you know? So uh, it, I think that that's one. I think communication skills, expressing yourself in a way that is effective is another thing that we should be taught as kids because – Sometimes we just react and we just, you know, express ourselves in a way that is behaviorally, but we don't even realize what's going on inside of us. And so for us to be able to like kind of just share it or have that idea that you can think about what you're feeling and then share it in a word 
way in, in a format of words, then I think that would help a lot of people understand each other and connect in a way that, you know, we really don't. People react, they do this, they do that, and they're trying to figure it out forever. What's wrong with this person? Why are they being this way? So that's another wow. thing, I think. Um I think another, and actually Lady Gaga, there was a, a, Oprah just did a podcast with Lady Gaga a few weeks ago. Um, did I send you the link to that? Because it was a really good podcast. Okay. You, <laughs> you have to, you have to listen to it. It's really incredible. And she talks about in the podcast, she talks about how there's, when people are coming out of trauma or when they're going through a period in their lives, especially girls around the teenage years, especially around puberty, they're, you know, that's when girls tend to become cutters where they're cutting themselves or they're trying to find a way to, to just not get attention, but just yeah. feel something and yeah. then also, yeah, express their pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says there's a new technique that they are teaching the young girls where it's actually about helping them to just verbalize it. And she says, my mom always told me, say it, don't show me, say it. So she wanted her to communicate it. And I'm always, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, show me, don't just tell me, but that's different. That's brings intention. Um, yeah. But that's another thing. I think communication skills is a necessity because we're not taught how to talk to each other. We really are. And the other one is listening. We're not taught how to listen to each other because we think that the way we see things and the way we view things is the only way and the right way, right? And because we get so caught up and there's more of us who see the same thing the same way, then it automatically marginalizes the individual who's different or the individual that's in a very unique situation. And I think that's pro probably been my struggle, especially with dealing with like what's going on in the world right now. And you got people from all these different political like backgrounds and people who have different beliefs and whatever. And for me, it's always like, okay, let me try to understand because I don't want to just be this so narrow minded, closed minded person where I think my belief or the way that I see this is the only way. So mm -hmm. it's, it's hard because we're not listening to each other. We're, we're, we're just completely trashing each other. And at the same time, I think the people on one side, you know, if you look at the political scene right now, the people on one side, because they don't care what the other people are saying, their view is correct. And then it applies exactly the same way to the people on the other side. So it's almost like the same bullshit over and over again. Um, so listening to each other. And then I think another thing that we need to be taught in schools is your uniqueness or your, your sense of self doesn't have to match up to what you see like it's okay to be different and unique even if it doesn't make sense even if it doesn't line up or click into place with what we are all like and mm -hmm. i think that's another one it's almost just accepting that uniqueness so i think there's a few things we we really should be taught in school and now as an adult like if you don't if you don't conform and that become your norm and then live your life like that, then you have to find a way to survive and cope. And either you retract, which is you get smaller and you are not as, you know, are not your authentic self and you actually become like a, a even smaller, more lesser version of yourself, or you say, fuck it. <laughs> and you expand and you explode into authenticity. And yes. when that explosion happens, that's when people don't like you no more. Because you, you just had to make a choice. Am I going to survive or am I going to retract and become small again? And when you expand and explode, then you act in ways that is authentic, but it's such a huge, sudden, drastic change from who you just were that people don't like you no more. And they're like, what the hell happened to you? Why are you such an asshole? Why are you such a bitch? You know? And it's like, I don't even know, but I know that this is what I need to be. This is what I need to do. I'm sorry. But no is no. And I know I've never said it before, but I'm saying no now. Why are you such a bitch? Why are you being like that? Like people don't get it. I just set that boundary with them. Like mm. when I'm in my room, because I'm trying to get my space mm. so that I could get to me, you know, just a couple of, if I have a couple of hours, you know what I mean? So I have a question for you then, because in doing that, I mean, I've, I've seen you, I've heard you and it sounds like you really love your children. It <laughs> sounds like yeah. it, right? And it sounds like you are trying to be the best mother that you can be within the circumstances that you are currently within. Yeah. But it also sounds like you're trying to avoid mistakes or you're trying to avoid causing them pain or distress in a way that maybe you experienced as a child yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
that's what this whole thing is kind of about. It's just like to yeah. stop um, from blowing up. Yeah. Like now, if I need my time, mm-hmm. I need to go into my room and just, you know, be by myself. If Even if it's just for 10 minutes, if I get off work, I just want to take my shoes off, go to the bathroom, you know, take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And then I can come out and we can do that kind of whatever you want to do. You know, mm-hmm. they have a lot. Michaela has a ton of things that she yeah. wants to do. Now, when... In, in trying to do that, you know, you're trying to avoid blowing up or trying to avoid going from like zero to a hundred and you're mm-hmm. trying to find that balance. But I think something that you might be running into when you're going through that is you're trying really hard to avoid making them uncomfortable or mm-hmm. making them feel not happy or trying to distress them. Oh, you know, trying to people please at the same yes. time. <laughs> and sometimes you kind of setting boundaries doesn't mean pushing someone only only within their comfort zone setting boundaries mm-hmm. sometimes is like this is it this is the line past this and this is unacceptable but it still may require you to make that other person uncomfortable or to make them realize through an uncomfortable stressful experience that maybe mm-hmm what they're doing isn't going to work either. So they need to back it up. So it's almost like, I don't want to yell. I don't want to blow up. Okay. But how solid are you? How stern do you get? How intense are you still able to be mm-hmm. without blowing up? And I think you're having trouble kind I, of finding that balance. There's mm-hmm. my center because <clears throat> it's like, don't do that. God damn it. I said, you know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. no, like, so who is, or how do I, you know, cause I'm just, yeah. I mean, I'm already in this uh, period of rebirth. Remember I was telling you, I felt so lost and blah, 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 and everything yeah. I was going through. So I'm already dealing with the newness of all of that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm new and also parenting these people who have been with me, mm-hmm. but it's like waking up to like, Michaela, I'm doing the call. So see now, Fernando, we're not going to be able to go to the movies. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Uh, well, because I—that was the thing. Yeah. Well, and that's it. It's it's making people accountable for their behavior, and real and making them aware that there is a boundary, and if they cross this boundary, this is the consequence. So, do you accept the consequence, and was your behavior worthy of that consequence? And it's that boundary setting. And I think most people, when they're trying to set those boundaries, they are like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to come across as a bad person. I don't want to hurt people. But sometimes by you setting that boundary, you have to, it's either one or two things. Either you have to embrace yourself and honor yourself in full form or, and in doing that, it's going to require a rejection, a rejection of that person's energy kind of in your face stuff. You know, it's almost like it's a rejection of people. You have to reject someone else's choice or someone else's preference or someone else's desire to sometimes establish that boundary for yourself. And for me, like people, I mean, we both went through a people pleaser phase and and to some extent there are still times where I'm a people pleaser, you know, it's something I deal with every single day in one way or another. And the problem with being a people pleaser from majority of your life is that it's, it, it really is like trying to, ch- it's like a, it's like a trying to change your spots because it's like, it becomes your identity. And then when you start to realize that isn't the hell, the hell who I am, who am I? And then you have to kind of backtrack a little bit and then figure out who you are, who you're not, and then start setting those boundaries. Once you set those boundaries with people, sometimes you're going to come across just in the rudest way possible. And it's not because you may intend it. Sometimes when you blow up, it is rude. It is like, what the hell is wrong with her? She needs to, right. she needs to calm the shit down. But sometimes it is just a simple boundary and people don't like that because they see it as a rejection of who they are and what they are offering. But at the same time, the respect of others boundaries is something they also need to learn. So it's almost like I'm not rejecting who you choose to be. I'm rejecting your overshadowing of me because of what you're doing and not accepting or acknowledging that this is who I am or this is what I am. And that's crossing into this territory. So let's just take it back a little bit. Um, yeah. I think children are the best teachers for boundaries. I'll tell you that. 
Yeah. And you know, my mom actually gave me that book, mm. Boundaries with Kids, because she didn't have any. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want me to be like her at 60, almost seven, well, she's almost 70, but to still be in a place where your kids are kind of overstepping. But she also continues to allow it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always tell her, I'm like, yeah, but you can say no to this. Yeah. But I know, like, she's 70 years old. I mean, that's people pleasing a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of conditioning. <laughs> that's, a lot, that's a lot for her to have to, like, you know, mm. kind of shed or deal with. And so, I mean, I try to give her grace in that because I want my mom to be the type of person that says no because mm-hmm. I want her to protect herself. Right. You know, and learning that I need to protect myself because I have. I'm well, not having, but I'm starting to have really great boundaries with people outside of my family, which I didn't have before either. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to say no. That's not the policy. Um, okay, well, we'll just have to reschedule. You know, I'm not waiting around for people to record with me. If you're not ready, honey, then we just not gonna record. Right. You know, like instead of being like, oh gosh, what am I gonna do if I cancel it? How's she gonna feel? I don't fucking care. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this, I'm serious about yeah. this show. Yeah. And not serious about being on my show for however for whatever your reasoning is that's an you issue i've mm-hmm. got to move on to the next person but with the kids like i noticed that terrence didn't want to tell her no he didn't want to tell michaela no mm-hmm. because he didn't want her to cry and i said because oh, i already know yeah know what that is he's people pleasing her mm-hmm. He's it was like a, a sandwich. That's what it was like. Oh my god, food! You're mm-hmm. giving away giving away the last food. If you don't want to hear her cry, and so I was like, no, no. I know I've taught you guys a lot of things that we now have to unlearn. This one, stop it now, mm-hmm. because he takes it outside the house with him, and he gets very affected by people who what they say about him and how they treat him. So like Brian actually gave me this book called Nasty People. Mm-hmm. So middle of it but i gave it to him i was like you could read it tonight because he had some incident at school or today at the basketball court and i was like just read it because it's about people who will invalidate you intentionally mm-hmm. so like that's another thing that we run into because once we become the type of person that says yes to everything or yes to most things those type of people will target you because mm-hmm. they're like yes it's perfect you care you are soft i know i could get all i need from you mm-hmm. Well, it you know, it's that also th- makes me think of like people who they understand that they can use their positions to influence or to manipulate or to control other people, and mm-hmm. it's like I call them boundary dissolving tools or weapons. Boundary dissolving weapons. This exists with employers. Where when you work for people and because they pay you, they think that they control you or they own you and Mm -hmm. they don't realize that there are boundaries that need to be respected. You know, like back when I was at Starbucks, uh, I was paying for some, I was paying someone to do work. The expectation was the work, but I didn't want to disrespect that individual and I didn't want to like take advantage of them. So for me, it was like, okay, how can I get the most from them without crushing them or without destroying them or without, you know, darkening their light? I remember an experience I had when I was because my cousin had um, she had a little girl and um, this was right after high school. And I kind of went and lived with them for a year and I was like their living nanny. So they would go to school. I mean, they would go to work and I was there all day with the baby and it was, you know, free. It was pretty much free. uh, daycare for her because it was too, way cheaper than regular daycare. But at the same time, you know, I was living there, so there was less expenses associated with it. And her name is uh, Sierra. I love her. I love her today because she's just such an incredible person. But that this, she was just a baby. You know, she was less than a year old. She was already walking. And um, they just did not want her to cry. So they would do whatever they needed to do to keep her from crying. And I'm like, 
there's nothing wrong with crying. Like, I mean, crying is an expression of an emotion. There's nothing wrong with crying. And so I started looking online at different cultures and different places around the world, how they handle, you know, children, how they teach them boundaries, et cetera. And I had read something where in, I, I don't even know where this was, but what they do is they light a candle and they, when the child is old enough, they try to teach them what hot is and how it can be dangerous for you. So they light the candle and they, the, the baby's like, Oh, you know, the baby's like, what is this? What is this? So as the baby's yeah. trying to touch it, they're like, you know, like, Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now, granted, it it's recommended you don't let the child's hand just sit there and burn to a crisp. But when they touch it, then you take their hand and you move it away and you say, no, hot, hot, pain, pain, you know, and it's almost like conditioning them. And they start to, after like two or three attempts at trying to grasp whatever this is, they recognize that. And then the, the incidence of children starting fires or going and trying to play with fire is lower in these environmental oh. places because they understand that this is dangerous and this can cause harm. And then as they get older, then they're taught how you can use this, but it's still dangerous. Um, and I thought to myself, that's so interesting because in that same family with the, with the, the, the uh, Sierra, there was another uh, nephew, her uncle, who's like much older now, but I remember he started a fire with playing with matches at the mattress and it caught fire and they were freaking out. He almost burned the house down. So I thought to myself that would have come in handy had he been taught something like that as a child. So with Sierra, she just wanted to be always carried everywhere. She didn't want to walk around anywhere. She didn't want to do the work. She just wanted to be carried everywhere. So when you would put her down, she would scream and holler and yell. Like it's the whole, the worst end of the world. Bloody murder, bloody murder. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. And she would, um, she would just scream until you picked her up and then you picked her up. She chill out immediately chill out. And they just conditioned themselves to do this, to keep her from crying. Cause they were new parents. This was her first baby. I don't want my baby to cry. I don't want my baby to, to freak out or to, to be hurt, uh, be hurting. So when I took over and I was like, okay, so every day we, I tried to, you know, spend time with her and nurture, et cetera. But she just had this condition that, I don't want to walk. I don't want to have to go from this place to this place. I want you to pick me up and take me there. And so yeah. it got to the point where I was like, we're going to have to learn a very hard lesson today. And the lesson is when I say no, the result is that is not going to occur. And so what I would do is I picked her up. And, what I said. <laughs> and so I'm talking to her like she's an adult because she's going to figure out what I'm saying at some point anyway. So I'm talking to her I'm like, okay, so I would put her down and she'd start screaming. And she'd like scream, he's going to die. And I'd pick her up. I lift her up and I would tell her, no, I'm not going to carry you. And then I'd put her back down and then she starts screaming again. And then I'd pick her up and I would say, no, I'm not going to carry you. And I would put her back down. She starts screaming. And then after a few moments of doing that, then I picked her up. No, I'm not going to carry you. I would put her down and I would go sit down and I would sit at a chair right there. The TV was on or whatever, but I'd sit there and she'd scream, 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 scream. And I know it wasn't her diaper. I know her diaper was just fine. I had just changed it. She had just eaten. She had just been burped. She didn't have any painful issues on her body. So I know she wasn't in pain. It was just a conditional behavioral thing for her. And so I would sit there in the chair. She'd scream. And I would say no. And then she screamed louder after I would say no. And then I'd say no again. And then she said, so literally we went back and forth like this for four hours that day, four hours at the end of it. She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's just like, she's, she's done. She doesn't have any more, more crying to do. And you know, people are probably going to think you're an abuser for now. You abuse this child. I'm like, baby, no, I didn't put, I didn't go put her hand in fire. I would actually wouldn't think, think I could do that myself. Cause I would be too, too like, no, 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 my baby. But she needed to understand the boundary and that the answer to, to, if I say no, then the answer is no. And that's it. That's the end of it. And so I did this back and forth for four hours with her. She, she, she stopped and then she just sat there and then I went, okay, she's done. She's chilled. I went and picked her up and then I put her down and I said, no. And then she just stopped. She didn't cry. She's like, okay. And she just sat down and started playing with her stuff. And wow. so after that, off. Yeah. So after that, we had a standoff. So after that, whenever she would fuss or create a big old like drama over something, and I said, the answer is no. 
immediately she would just like, okay, I know what he means. I know where this is going. And I didn't hurt her. I just taught her something, but it was painful for her to go through that understanding because I'm sure in her head, she's like, you know, he's rejecting me or he doesn't love me or whatever. I get it. But at the same time, it was a boundary. It was a boundary building experience for her. And Mm so after that, her parents would say no, she still didn't want to listen to them. But when I would do it, she would stop and she'd be like, okay, I know what he means. I know that he's serious. He is not playing around. He's not going to pick me up. So after that, sometimes they would get me to say no to her because they're like, why does she listen to you? Or why is she not over? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, because we have an understanding and it's not like I'm not going to love her. It's not like I'm not going to nurture her or give her a lot. I mean, I spoiled her still, but when I say no, the answer is no. And that's the boundary. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of ki- a lot of parents and kids, and I can't really give advice on parenting because I'm not a parent, but I did have an experience that was very informative and helped me to understand some things about our, our behavior as people, as human beings. And so like, you know, it's, it's same thing with work. It's like sometimes people, well, and that takes, that takes me to where I was saying earlier, where I feel like, people who are in positions of authority or power, they take advantage of other people because they feel that they're entitled or that they own that individual because they've given them money or because they've paid them. And I, I mean, I've even had times where, and I'm so lucky that I have the most amazing clients because a majority of my clients are just really great people who are so respectful and they are, you know, I don't, doesn't matter how their experience has been with other people or psychics, but with me, it's such a great relationship with the majority of my clients. But every now and then there'll be a client who they feel very entitled and they feel like they owe me. And like I paid for a service and you've taken my money and now this is what you need to do for me. And my immediate reaction is, okay, this is what I'm going to give you. If that doesn't work for you, we can end the session right now. Because I respect you and I expect the same in return. And it feels like you're not understanding that this is my business. This is my time. And I choose how I'm going to spend it. And if what I am offering you is not enough for you, we do not have to continue. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. And there have been very few instances, but there have been a few instances where I get that direct with people. And I'm like, I don't want to waste your time. This is what I'm offering you. This is what I'm saying to you. You're not hearing me. So let me clarify. This is what it is. If you cannot accept that or if this doesn't work for you, I completely understand. We can end right now and I will give you a full refund. No questions asked. Like, and it's very clear for them. And they usually continue on because at that point I've established, you know, I'm not controlling you. You're not controlling me. We're in this together, but you need to respect that. This is my time. I'm giving you, I'm giving you Mm -hmm. of myself and I'm not going to, I'm not going to compromise myself because you feel you have control or power over me. That's not the way this is going to work. And people don't understand that sometimes they've never, that's the first time they've ever been told something like that. And Mm -hmm it's a lesson for them as well. So it's almost like, you know, how many people can you teach by just setting boundaries? How many people can you empower by just setting your boundaries with people? And so it's, it's not just about you. It's about, you know, people are going to learn by watching you. Oh, I don't, she always says no, I, but then they learn how to do it themselves and then they can use it in their own lives. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I can't say that I am like 100%, you know, mm-hmm. it's process. <laughs> But I am getting better at it. And I mean, I got to pat myself for even stepping up and saying no, because that's not always been my thing. And I just need to, like, she really wants to go to the dollar cinema, right? Mm -hmm. She has been up here several times. Mm -hmm. And she knows that I'm in the middle of something. Mm -hmm. And I'm not playing about this. So it's like, like I said, every time she comes and makes a disruption, then I have to go back and listen to make sure that it's, you know, audience worthy. Mm -hmm. So like, we're just going to be able to go out. Mm. And I hate that because I know like I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I love to spend time, but you're taking advantage of me, Mm -hmm. period. Well, there's a lack of respect for boundaries in the situation. And it may be a lack of experience, a lack of, of, of 
conditioning. Um, what I would suggest is when you are going to record or when you're going to do something like a podcast, you need to have a sign outside the door that is a symbol, a symbol, because it always is important to have a symbol. You know, Christians use the cross as a symbol of authority and control, um, especially in the, in the old days, back when the crusades were going around. I mean, literally, you, that, that's what they use crosses for. Um, other people use talisman or certain things that are, are symbolic of. Um, for me, whenever I start to do this work with people, for me, my symbol, interestingly enough, is my um, my v- CBD oil when I'm va- like vaping it, because that's my symbol for, okay, I'm anxious. I recognize that this is how I feel, but I also am, I'm going into work mode and then I immediately go into my visualization where I'm opening myself up to light and love and et cetera. Okay. Now let me get those in as well, because I need to get to that place where I can work with this, with the person that I'm going to be helping. So it's a symbol, a talisman for me, but you can use whatever, but I would suggest like having a sign that says recording in session, do not disturb. And then try to get her to recognize that that is important that she, she recognizes that that needs to be respected because it comes with a cost if she doesn't respect it. And if the cost is too high for her, then she's not going to want to take the risk. Now, granted, you know, children are all different and some children are more, you know, stubborn than others. Some children, they struggle with situations or with personality difficulties or whatever, but it's still a conditioning process and it's still, you know, I mean, we're still able to be conditioned to have to, to, to operate a certain way so that we can get the most from our experience. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's been the thing. That's what I said. Like even my mom gave it to me and like, I think I have a lot of, I don't even know what the right word is, but I, I'm cautious just because, because she is different. I'm like, am I like super scarring her? You know, like, is it a super scar whenever I do something? Mm-hmm. Or again, I'm like, she's not not smart. Mm-hmm. Like, she. Oh no, she's like, extremely intelligent. You can tell she's really extremely smart. intelligent. Yeah, and you yeah, you have to remember, like, yeah, just because somebody is, you know, I think that you are. There's a dance happening here, and you're trying to assert control or power of the situation. Um, and you have a right to it because you are the parent, you are responsible for this child's well-being and future and safety. Um, and at the same time, I mean, if you don't teach her the respect of this is the sign you respect this sign, because if you don't respect it, there's consequences, you know, what's going to keep her from running a red light if she doesn't respect the sign that the red light represents stop. And so it comes down to, this is a survival thing that you've got to you know, work around with because yeah. this is going to apply in so many different other ways and in so many different other situations, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, you know, whenever we got on here, I'm like, Oh, we're going to talk about this. I'm like, no, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in trouble. So. <laughs> but you didn't know you're not you, I, with who, with me. I mean, no, you know, no, you know what I mean? I yeah. just like, like you always can tell, first of all, when anything is going on, but then I mean, that's why you're like my teacher because you have like excellent insight. So you're like, yeah. let me tell you, let me help you yeah. through this. I mean, that's what I need. So really, I notice like when I go back and edit these episodes, I'm like, that was a nice lesson. This is a nice lesson because it's like the notes come from. But it's real. It's real life, though, right? Yeah. It's real life. Like people get on here and they do podcasts and they do recordings and they talk about something that's an idea or a concept and they just kind of play with it or they just say something about it. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll say whatever sounds good because it's going to get them more ratings or it's going to get people to like, Oh, that's, that's just great. I love it. You know, but when you're in life, when you're living your everyday life, this is, this is why I don't, I mean, granted, I do live up in a mountain somewhere, but I don't live in space completely disconnected from human experience. And people mm-hmm. ask me like, why, you know, why am I so human? You know, oh, you can tell the level of growth with you because you still have these human reactions and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, because if I was out in space somewhere and I was very disconnected from human life, how the hell am I supposed to help you if I don't understand the struggle that you're going through and I'm there witnessing it, you know, and if I don't know it myself, you know, and I think yeah. that was one of the biggest things I learned is I can't help somebody unless I understand the struggle myself. And so that this is real life. And this is you having a real life experience where you are fundamentally trying to be a good parent. Your intention is to be a better parent than, than the parents that you had yourself. And you're trying to offer your children 
the most opportunity and the most love you can give them. At the same yeah. time, those are great ideas, but in application, in application, life is life and life is going to happen whether you're a spiritual person or not. Exactly. It doesn't stop. Right. And so, yes. What it before mm-hmm. you became this spiritual person. Michaela, I'm not finished. She's just going to hate it this evening. That's all I have to say. I'm not finished. And that's all. I, I, yeah. I love you. Thank you. Well, for my friend. Of course. I think that's been my process It's just, you know, I want to be a spiritual person, but I also want to be an authentic person. I don't want to be someone who acts like they're overly spiritual, but yet I'm not sharing my struggles or what I have to deal with in a unique and, 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 and individual way myself. So and it's a friend of mine, he was like messaging me earlier because I had posted the picture about me, how I'm, I'm predominantly vegan now and I've lost all this weight and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I took a picture of myself shirtless and I was like, do I want to? show myself in this light? Do I want to have people see me like this? Because Mm -hmm. this is me being human and me being like another person. And I'm like, yeah, because just because I have years and years and years of spiritual knowledge build up and I have understanding of, you know, concepts and ideas and practices, et cetera, doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I don't have struggles every day that I don't, you know, not have things that are not ideal for me or not working for me. And so if what I can share and what is going on in my life can, you know, help somebody else out or they, they can have an advantage just because I went through it. Here's the fucking advantage. Take the goddamn advantage. Use the goddamn advantage. Trust me, you go to an ATM, it's going to pay you out. So use it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I think people value is like, and I mean, I talk about whatever I talk about mm-hmm. on the morning by, mm-hmm. but I don't do it every day. Right. And you know why? Because I don't have a good morning every day. <laughs> right. Oh, baby, no. I mean, yeah, baby, no. Look, I think that's like, you know, I went through that. I went through that whole period where when I was doing Law of Attraction, it's like you have to wake up every morning with the most positive outlook in life ever. And I'm like, okay, this is only going to go so far with me. And so what I realized with myself is that mornings are not the easiest time for me. Because for me, when I open my eyes, there's an immediate realization that I'm not in my purest loving form. I'm in a human conditional body and situation. And (laughs) it's almost heartbreaking every single morning. I'm like, oh shit, I'm here again, right? And so like, I'm all cross-eyed and I'm all like, what the hell? And so for me, it's like, I'm here again. And some mornings, it's not as intense. Some mornings, it's a little easier. But most mornings, I get up and that is the realization that I have. Here I am in this physical form it is temporary. I'm not here forever. I have a purpose to serve. I am here to experience things and I still have work to do. If I'm still here, I still have some things I'm doing. I have to honor that because that is why I'm here. And my conditioned Fernie personality may not grasp the fullness of it, but doesn't matter what Fernie grasps because I'm still here. So that's the reality. And so I get up, Usually the cats are screaming like, feed me, feed me, you know, because they're hungry. So I get up, I mosey over to the kitchen, I feed them, start my coffee. Because for me, coffee is my talisman. It's a symbol of me embracing and accepting the reality of this experience and saying, okay, this is what it is. Let me work with it. Let me do something with this. And the moment that I accept the reality and I accept this and I say, okay, I'm going to do something with this is the moment that my energy starts to shift. And for me, thank God I have my own business and I can do my own thing because I don't have to be rushing to work at three or four o'clock in the morning. Like I was back at Starbucks. And honestly, like for me to just roll out of bed and then just to run over and do whatever that just, it's just not my vibe. It does not work for me as a person. So I need time to get used to this reality first before I can go into working mode. So I normally yeah. don't start working until nine o'clock. So, I mean, I roll over, get out of bed at seven, seven thirty. takes me an hour or two to just get myself there. And then once I'm ready, I'm like, okay, let's go, let's do this because that's what I'm, that's what I need to get to the, to the yeah. point where I can function in this environment. So 
do you forgive yourself because you're not waking up the happiest person in the world? Like who does that? Like who does that? Like, you know, you know, at first though, I really did think that you had, that you kind of had to. And like I was telling somebody, I think I was telling one of my clients today, I was talking to her and she was just talking about how she wasn't feeling good all week last week. And I was like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're allowed to be ill. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not going to yeah. feel good all the time. And I was like, do you think every person who does positivity is like that all the time? Mm -hmm. Like even Beyonce is not Beyonce every day. Oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, no, right. Correct. Like, I mean, I, yes, of course, be authentic. But authenticity means that sometimes you have a shit day yeah. or sometimes you just feel human. Yeah. So you don't fucking. Authenticity good, you know? has nothing to do with positivity. Authenticity is about embracing who and what you are without being overshadowed by the conditioned version of yourself. So authenticity mm -hmm. is simply about you accepting and embracing what you naturally are without work to be something different, you know, yeah. and, and positivity is more about having an outlook about life and trying to focus on what is working. There's nothing wrong with positivity, but there's such a thing as like, um, uh, what I call it, um, unhealthy positivity or toxic positivity, which is becoming a thing now because there is such a thing as toxic positivity. Right. Which that's not me. And I, I went through that period in my life and it just didn't, it didn't work for me because it only got me to a certain point, but life still happened. There were still things that were happening. And when I sat with it and I just like went with it, it actually felt better to just let myself be. And then once I accepted, okay, this is what it is. How can I reduce the impact it's having on me or can mm -hmm. I resolve the issue? Can I resolve this? If I could, yes. then I would go ahead and act in that way because pain is a motivator. I mean, people don't realize that pain is a catalyst that we use on this level in this form to motivate mm -hmm. us for change, for evolution, yeah. for growth. Pain is an evolutionary growth tool. If you, if you understand that and if you actually pay attention and do what you're told. And so pain is like that. Pain is like that mama who has that, like, she's like, listen, it's like Hispanic mama with the chancla. She's like, you better yeah. do that, you know? So pain is like, you better do this instead. And so use pain as a motivator. But some of us, we don't have the luxury of resolving the pain. We can't change the pain. The pain is there. So just be, just come to a place where you can be at peace with it. You may, you're going to still feel pain, but just accept it and just be okay with it and sit with it because there might be something in that that serves you still. Right. Yeah. And like, remember you called me that day that I kind of found out about Kayla and I think we we're supposed to interview, but I totally, oh, yeah, you were spaced. like, you were like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And like, I was really upset, but like, you were like, let yourself. Cause I was trying to kind of stop myself from like reacting the way it was. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was upset yeah. because I was like, did I do it? Mm. Was it me? Uh, what would she have been? All of these things, yeah, you know. Yeah. And now we know she's a great manipulator, so she's okay. She's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you were instrumental in helping me through that because, you know, it was just like I was trying to stop myself from experiencing that pain mm -hmm. or that loss. Mm -hmm. But it was because I was used to reacting to that kind of thing differently. Mm -hmm. Like I was handling it like, man, well, hey, right. instead of, ah, yeah. and that was like the first thing that happened when I had become, I don't even know how to say different, <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. But that was like the first thing that happened after I had my awakening. So I was like, I mean, this sucks, mm -hmm. but don't fall over from it. But then I wasn't sure how to feel it without, like you said, mm -hmm. looking for the balance between I don't care at all because this isn't real and I'm devastated because this is everything and chicken little. Right. So it's like finding that feeling and then moving through it. Yeah. So like I've been, I've been okay. You know what I mean? It is what it is. It's just a daily thing because I realized the lesson is patience which I'm still working on because I have to repeat a lot. Mm -hmm. That is like my pet peeve. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I I'm one time. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not going to understand it until 50 times. Right. 
So you go tell me 50 Which times. Makes, or it, what, you know, that with my partner, like he will ask me one thing, maybe can you put the dishes this way? Or, Hey, can you put this? And I'm like, okay. And I acknowledge what he said, but something in my head said, that piece of information served no purpose. It's not worth anything to me. It's not something deep and profound. It's just something that's not that important. It's not a big deal. Nope. It's not a problem. And then immediately gets emptied out and into my, you know, my memory, out of my memory cache empty. And so it isn't until he says it three or four times that I'm like, Oh, he really, this is important to him. Like, (laughs) which it shouldn't take that many times to be told that, but at the same time, at the same time, I function very differently than he does. And those little things are not as, as significant for me. So it's more of trying to get that balance there. And sometimes it's easier for us to work through it. Sometimes it takes a lot more effort, maybe even a big old fight, you know, just having it out, you know. So, you know, I'll tell you about the goddamn spoons, you know. But yeah. and sometimes that's what's required. But it just depends. And and then that's the boundaries and that's understanding each other. And that's finding, you know, what works for you, what doesn't. And I think... And then what I was saying earlier is up to a certain point, I think because you've tried to be such a good parent and because you're trying not to hurt your children, you are instead, you know, making them, making it easier for them to get used to you being such a loving person, being such a, you know, pushover. And so it's almost like she's such a loving pushover (laughs) and which immediately turns into this whole people pleasing mode that you've been living in and working through. And so it's like, okay, God just gave her the gift of these kids so that she can learn boundaries and teach them boundaries as well. But she's got to have to follow through with her boundaries as well. And when she says no, and she has to repeat herself, then she's letting the child know it's okay to go against it because I didn't mean it the first time. I didn't mean this the first time. Yeah. But when you say no, and then, you follow through and and make them accountable for for it by doing something, not going to the movies. Well, we said, we said, we said, we said I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I did tell you no. You did not hear me. You, did, you chose not to acknowledge my boundary and what I asked of you. And so because of this, there is a consequence and this is the consequence. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, let's turn this into a four-hour experience because this is what this is now. So, but it comes, you know... It is what it is, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And and I'm not to say that, oh, this is the best parenting ex- advice ever. Again, because I am not a parent. I don't have the right to say, hey, this is the no, best approach ever. Don't, yeah. don't say, don't, it doesn't matter yeah. because, like, you already know that each relationship mm-hmm. has the same, really has some of the same, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Anyway, each relationship is very similar. Mm-hmm. And, boundaries is a relationship thing so it doesn't matter if you're a parent or not you know how to teach boundaries yeah yeah well and this i mean that trickles into the relationship thing i mean i remember when my ex cheated on me and ran off and you know whatever and then i accepted that behavior and i gave him an additional opportunity and i made it very clear that if he did it again i would not be around and of course he did it again And of course I stuck through it still. And so I went against my own boundary. And so it, and and not only that, but the universe is paying very close attention because every time you act in that way and every time you, you intend something, but then you act in the way that is against the intention, you're giving the universe instructions for how you choose to receive others. And so in that moment, that was my opportunity to say, I will not be taken advantage of. I've given you an opportunity to address this and to work on this you've decided that the bound, my boundary and what I am willing to accept is not worthy of your effort. So, mm-hmm. but then I went against my own boundary. And so he kept doing it and doing it. And I was stuck in that for four years, four year rule. It's like the whole four year, four hours, four. Uh. But, and so with people, you got these people who are stuck in relationships where they are, they wanted to change. They wanted to get better, but they suck at boundaries and they suck at sustaining and retaining those boundaries. And so the people that they're with don't take it seriously. They don't take it. They like, I don't know about her. She's still taking me to the movies. You know, they still stick with that whole, I can get away with this or this is accepted and I can, you know, and not everybody, but a majority of these situations where, you know, someone's been cheated on or someone's been um, hurt in that way. Same thing with abusive 
people in relationships, whether it's a male abusing a woman or a woman abusing a male, but it, it same thing. So the boundary isn't being respected. And then the person sticks around because they're expecting that someday this person will see their value, their worth, and they will accept and acknowledge that boundary and the condition. And of course it doesn't happen. And so what they've done instead is they actually taught themselves how not to be used to being respected, how not to be honored, how not to be appreciated in that boundary to be, you know, acknowledged. Thanks so much for energetically tuning in. If you would like to follow Michelle and her podcast, you can go to her website at betweenusgirlspodcast.com. That's B-E-T-W-E-E-N-U-S, girls, G-I-R-L-S, podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, then like, share, and review my show on your podcast listening platform. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and check out my website at fernandomarone.com for additional content, updates, articles, and more. Till next time, kiddos, and I hope you guys have yourselves a namaste.